It's Monday. You know what time it is. It's FRPC Hoops. And I'm your host, Vince. And we are excited to bring you this. So what we're doing today um, is we're giving you the Western Conference uh, quarter, first quarter recap. Uh, we're going to give you like a little bit about some of the teams, what they did, you know, throw in a couple little anecdotes and kind of keep it moving. We're also going to talk a little bit about maybe some of the rumors that have cropped up a little bit when it comes to, uh, you know, trades and things of that nature. There have been a couple things that have been popped out there into the ether that we kind of need to go over. So we have a lot to get to today. And I'm really glad that you guys are here. Keep in mind, um, if you are joining us for the first time, welcome. Uh, This podcast has been going on for a little while. We've kind of gone through some ups and downs, but we here give you NBA. We also give you draft coverage. We also give you um, some of the news and notes and trade rumors and things like, like that here. But we, what we try to do is give you some sort of holistic view of what teams are doing and whatever the case may be. We don't want to just say a player's trash or whatever. We don't want to just say, oh, this player's no good and and all that. We want to give you some kind of substance behind it, and that's what we're trying to do. So if you're new to the program, you just got the spill. If you're old to the program, let them know. Let them know what we got. All right, we're going to have some fun, and we're going to get into a couple things. Okay, so how we're going to do this is we're going to go division by division. Um, I was thinking about doing it in, like, order, but I actually feel like I want to do it a different way. So bear with me. I have a ton of notes here. All right, so what we're going to do is we're going to start with the Southwest Division. And we're going to start with a a guy that we talk about a lot. We're going to talk about the San Antonio Spurs. Right now, currently, they are 4-21. They are 15th in the West. What they've done right, they've drafted uh, Victor Wimbayama. That's what they've done right. Um, Now, the one thing that we will say about having Victor Wimbayama in this particular set of circumstances, I know a lot of people have been really on whether we should have a point guard getting Victor the ball and and get him in the spots. Again, we've talked about it on this program at nauseum in regards to the free the free flowing offense that they're trying to use in San Antonio and allow Victor to develop his offensive game his ISO game, and also his playmaking game. So these things, I honestly know that this is all for his development. And yes, it looks terrible. It looks awful. But I think once we get to like game 50, we'll see a little more regular offense. I think what they're trying to do is allow him to expand his canvas as, as much as he possibly can right now. And then dial it back. Okay, a couple other things. Um, This goes on the minus side for me. Their inability to not even try to get Austin Reeves from the Lakers, knowing that they had a ton of of salary cap, um, kind of a head-scratcher. I mean, I'm excited that we got Austin Reeves for like $14 million. That's great. We love it here in Los Angeles, the la-la. But for San Antonio and for people who are talking about having a uh, facilitator for Victor Winbanyama, this is one of those things that you can look to and go, hey, maybe we should have made some sort of adjustment there. Uh, Moving on, Point Sohan. A lot of people, there are a lot of detractors to this. A lot of people are really upset. There's not a lot of flow to the offense. Uh, Victor is not getting into the right spots. I definitely hear you. I definitely understand. I definitely get it. But again, I think we just have to caution on the uh, just side of patience to see 
what Victor actually develops from this year. I think anytime that you can not root, especially a player that's generational like Victor Wingbayama is, when you can not root him in a, a certain style or whatever and allow him to develop his skills, I think it only bodes well for you in the future. A plus move. Moved Wimby to center, and since they've done that, 14 rebounds, okay? And when he was at the four position, when he was playing the big forward, he was averaging eight. So once moved to center, 14 rebounds a game. When he was at the four, eight rebounds a game. So impactful just in that move right there. Oh, and for the people who are screaming about Trey Jones getting on the court, here's the thing that you might want to consider. Now, we talked about flow. We talked about spacing and the offense and things of that nature. Trey Jones is shooting a robust 26.7% from three. So robust is being facetious, facetious. That's an anemic rate. And we would need better if, for some reason, he was going to be the starting point guard. Uh, now, here's one question that I will ask. And I'm trying to remember who put it out there. Somebody put it. Oh, Mark J. Spears of the of Amscape Hall of Fame career as a journalist said that Keldon Johnson might be on the move for San Antonio. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, Keldon Johnson fits in a bunch of places. I can see a lot of teams that are in contention trying to get him. So we'll have to see on that, on that situation. Um, let's move on to, like I said, we're going in reverse order here, so... You're going to hear pages flip back and forth. <clears throat> Let's move on to the Memphis Grizzlies, shall we? Um, plus, one more game without Ja. We all know that the 25-game suspension has been rough for the Memphis Grizzlies, not having their all-star, not having their engine that makes their offense move. Now, we're one game away from him coming back. So you got Ja coming back soon. Now, as a how can I put this? The grindhouse has been a house of horrors for the Memphis Grizzlies. Let's look at their injuries, okay? Steven Adams out for the season. Brandon Clark, we have no idea when he's coming back, but he tore his Achilles, you know, late last year. Luke Kennard has missed 16 games. Xavier Tillman has missed 10. And Marcus Smart with the ankle injury, he might be getting close to coming back, maybe a week away, but there's been a lot of injuries with Memphis. They're 6-18, and 18, currently 13, 13th in the West. And really right now, you know, it's just getting healthy. You know, there's not a lot to look at. There's not a lot to, to decipher with the Memphis Grizzlies right now. They had a crap ton of injuries, and they were missing their star, and this is what happens when you have no depth and you don't have the different difference makers around you to stay relevant. So 6-18, and 18, not great, but we'll see what happens in the second half of the year. Let's move on to the Houston Rockets, shall we? Open up a drink. You know, my guy Nico is popping open a cold one right now. Anytime the Houston Rockets are talked about on this uh, podcast, because they have been talked about so frequently, it is part of the drinking game. Okay, Houston right now is 13-10 and 10 currently. They're ninth in the West. Pluses. Hiring Ime Adoka. I mean, is there a question about what 
how better they've been. The offense has structure. They are playing lights out defensively. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, they are uh, top five at this point in time in defense. So Ime Adoka has set a a culture there that we're going to defend and we're going to play discipline basketball. The second positive, the not trade or signing of James Harden has been phenomenal in so many ways. You signed Fred Van Vliet from Toronto who we would say is a lesser point guard than James uh, Harden. But then you signed Dylan Brooks, and you signed Jeff Green, Uncle Jeff, as we like to call him. Three solid veterans. Um, Brooks, we know he's had the issues with, like, control issues or impulse issues and things of that nature. But so far this year, Ime Adoka seems to be uh, demanding more from him uh, to stay with inside himself and and not just can be a complete uh just crazy man, which is great. And then the other thing, Sangoon got two inches taller in the off season. But also the more important thing is that they have established him as an offensive hub. You can run DHOs through him, you can run through pick and rolls through him, and he's gonna make really good decisions with the basketball in his hand. Um, it's worked out for Jalen Green, and it's definitely, if they can get Jabari Smith to shoot more, that's really what this team is kind of missing right now. And what I want to call like an X factor a little bit, Tari Eason. And one thing that I want to bring up with Tari Eason, he is definitely a guy that I'm looking at as, as a possible starter, or as a possible rotation piece down the road 7.2 rebounds on 20 minutes a game let me say that again 7.2 rebounds on 20 minutes a game that is what Tari Eason is giving the Rockets so we're going to move on now to who's next on the wheel of Nonsense. Okay. Let's get to the New Orleans Pelicans, shall we? Uh, We talked about them a lot extensively here on the program. The Pelicans now are 16-11. They're 7th in the West. Um, They picked up a nice piece in Jordan Hawkins in the draft. We we love that pick. It was such a phenomenal uh, choice. Um. Here's a little stat for you that I actually did not know, and I thought it was amazing. Brandon Ingram is leading the NBA with the most mid-range shots made. Currently, he has 69 mid-range shots made. DeRozan is number two at 68, and Durant is is at 66. I just thought it was interesting to see that Brandon Ingram has become such a mid-range assassin. Not saying that we didn't see it in his game in L.A. and also in his uh, stint with uh, the New Orleans Pelicans, but um, number one in in mid-range shots made. I like it. The overarming, the over. The overall theory of the Pelicans so far this year has been all the injuries that they have had as well. Okay, let's uh, let's mark them off. McCollum missed ten games. Trey Murphy the third has missed twenty games. Uh, Grant Theft Alvarado has missed fourteen games, and Larry Nance Jr. has missed thirteen. So they have obviously been just nicked up the whole year. They haven't been able to be have any cohesion whatsoever, and they're 16 and 11. Just saying. Now, the Dallas Mavericks are right now on top of the Southwest Division. 
They are currently 16-9. They are third in the West overall. Positives. They re-signed Kyrie Irving. Um, It was a controversial move when they did it, but they had to do it because they gave everything away in the trade to get them. That's one. Uh, They nailed the draft. And, And what I'll say about that is that when I was doing draft coverage over uh, in the offseason, Derek Lively Lively Jr. had me scratching my head. I was like, that's a ton of athleticism, a ton of fluidity that just is not getting it. And I'm just thinking that maybe Duke just did not play him in in the right position or the scheme did not fit him. Because he's been excellent for Dallas. He's been a absolute uh, godsend when it comes to their rim protection and things of that nature. And he's 19. He's so young still. The other thing that's going on in Dallas is Luka is really fit. I mean, he looks great. Uh, It looks like he lost 15, 20 pounds. And he looks like a 15-year-old kid by shedding that weight. He's still an absolute sorcerer, though, with the ball in his hand. 32-9-8 is nothing to sneeze at. Now, the little tidbit that I want to give you is something that a lot of people have been talking about, uh, the reemergence of Dante Exum. But one little stat that I wanted to give you. Dante Exum right now is 44 of 55 at the rim. Now, we're going to talk about his three-point shooting in a second, but when he attacks the rim, when the closeout comes, he can either shoot it, which at right now, he is shooting 42.9 from three. Or he can attack it, and he can go to the rim, and he's finishing with tremendous success at the rim right now. Now, also keep this in mind. Dante Exum um, started off his career in in Utah, got injured, had a knee injury, just couldn't get it together. He was a below-average three-point shooter, like low 30s, 20s sometimes, things of that nature. He bounced around the NBA a little bit. I think the last destination he was at was Cleveland, and then – He took two years. He went overseas. He definitely worked on his game. He's come back. And again, he never shot anywhere near what he is shooting right now. And again, he's shooting 42.9% from three. Exum's defense and his paint attacks from the corners have been just, just a revelation. So again, here is a guy that they, they, picked up, didn't pay much for, and getting tremendous dividends for what they, for the asset. So kudos to the Dallas Mavericks, kudos to their front office and what they're doing there. Now we're going to move on to the, uh, the North division, which I like, I love this division. Um, and let's talk about the Portland Trailblazers. The Portland Trail Blazers right now are 6-19. They are 14th in the West, which this is exactly where we thought they would be. Um, they traded Dame. This is a plus. They got back Drew Holiday and then traded Drew Holiday for more assets. So if you could have, you couldn't have done a better job with that. Clout to Cronin and the crew out there doing that. Um... Now, at the time, they they got Time Lord, Robert Williams, and they also got DeAndre Ayton um, back in return. You know, down the road, we don't now. Robert Williams is hurt; he's out for the year, but that's still a guy that you can sit on ice and hopefully you can rebuild his value once he comes back from the injury next year. Godspeed to Robert Williams. So they still have more assets that they could trade or not trade or whatever the case may be. Also, keep in mind, they still have that Jeremy Grant 
uh, contract, which is the next thing I want to talk about. That's a negative is that I'm sure they wouldn't have, they would not have signed Jeremy Grant to that, that kind of lucrative deal if they knew they were getting rid of Dame or whatever the case may be. They did it. And now that will be a trade piece down the road. Now, the key is, what do you get as far as assets back? Because that's a that's a that's a big nugget to cover. Because I think uh, Grant is making like thirty five mil a year. <clears throat> also, Scoot is off to a terrible start. We're not going to sugarcoat it. Now, keep in mind, got hit in the eye. He's wearing goggles now. The last three or four games that I've seen him, he seems more comfortable. He needs to slow down, but that's something that all young guards have to deal with and, and get over to get into their to their move set and things of that nature. I believe that Scoot Henderson will get to that point. I'm not worried whatsoever when it comes to Scoot. Let's move on to the Utah Jazz. The Utah Jazz, who got off to such a fast start last year, this year are 9 and 17, 12th in the West. Uh, the negative, the John Collins trade, wow. He he has been an absolute terrorist to that team. I mean, like, if you want to talk about being taken down from within, he's still not shooting the ball well. He only plays well against bad teams, not good teams. That's the only time he even get, you know is productive. And honestly, I don't even know what he is anymore. I don't know if he's a small ball five. I don't know if he's a four. He doesn't shoot the three. He's athletic, um, but not a great defender. I'm, I'm just trying to figure out what the proper role is for one John Collins. Now, here's a great note. So excited about this for the Jazz. We had a we had a Taylor Hendricks sighting. He played. I was so excited. He actually got minutes. He got burned on the court. Um, if you know, if you followed us from the beginning, if you haven't, go to the archive pods. We did a lot of draft analysis on Hendricks. Uh, he was. He was in my like top five. I, I love the kid. I thought he had great instincts. I think he's uh, relatively athletic, and uh, I think he can shoot it. So I was higher on him personally than Brandon Miller at the time, and he just hasn't gotten a lot of run. So, and also Walker Kessler is mysteriously still coming off the bench this uh, uh, since coming off the injury. So I I wonder. What Danny's doing. Did he see something in the draft that we haven't seen yet? I don't know. But uh, Danny Age is tanking for something. We just don't know necessarily what it is at this point in time. Couple other, couple of little negatives. Chris Dunn and THT, to me, have been getting... Out here, been getting a lot more minutes than I personally think they should. I, I'm, I'm, I'm really upset about that personally. Uh, Keontae George, this is a positive. He was their uh, first first round pick. I know he was actually the second one. I apologize for that. He was the second one. Their second, their second first round pick out of Baylor. He's injured, but he's been playing well. You know, it, the the numbers aren't great, but Rookie point guard, young point guard, I don't lose sleep over this. Now, we talked about it in the previous podcast about Laurie Marketing. Laurie Marketing, his name has come up even more frequently since the last pot. We're starting to see more of the, the notebooks be opened up. We talked about it on the last pot, and you're starting to hear more names. It was funny. As soon as I did that pot, I saw Lori Marketing's name everywhere in trades. Now, this doesn't mean that anything is going to happen immediately. This could ha- take all the way to the to the trade deadline. But Lori Marketing 
seems to be out there, and I think he would be an excellent get for anyone. Seven feet, can shoot, rebound, give you some second side initiation. You can't beat it. So that's something that we have to look forward to or kind of monitor as we go on. But that is the Utah Jazz update. Now let's get to one of our favorite teams here, the OKC Thunder. The Thunder have been impressing us all season. They are 16-8. and eight. They are second in the West. They're absolutely ridiculous. Um, I mean, positives are the shrewd moves plus youth development. Um, Case and Wallace, uh, you know, we're about to get into Holmgren. Holmgren right now is on a rookie of the year run. His his field goal efficiency is 58.6. He is like I I I I'm his three-point shooting is 36.7, which is not bad. He's also doing that on 4.1 attempts. He also is averaging 8.1 rebounds, 2.7 blocks. And uh his true shooting percentage at this point in time is uh 63.7%. He's just been awesome. I mean, it, he was well worth the wait. And then also, let's give some love to Isaiah Joe. And the reason why I want to bring up Isaiah Joe's name in this conversation is this is what I'm talking about with development and shrewd moves. The 76ers just let Isaiah Joe go a couple years back. Okay, so he picked him up. Isaiah Joe since joining the Thunder, is shooting uh, 42% on threes this year on 5.7 three-point attempts. For two years, Isaiah Joe has shot over 40% from three and on five-plus attempts. This is not a trend. This is not a trend. This is something that has been going on. Dude can shoot it. We're so happy for him because he found a, like a little not a little niche in the league. And it's good to see teams go, hey, you know what? I see something here. And he's not just a shooter. He does provide some defense. He's not like crazy um, just going to be blowing assignments left and right and stuff like that. He's just a solid player and a solid contributor to a franchise who looks to be doing big things and could really mess up the uh, the the hierarchy of the Western Conference if they continue to progress in this fashion, personally. Now we get to the Denver Nuggets, the defending reigning NBA champions. Okay, so negative. Bruce Brown is now in Indiana Pacer. Jamal Murray has been stymied by health issues again this year. Positive. Okay, Reggie Jackson. Here's the thing. Reggie Jackson wasn't even part of the Nuggets uh, postseason rotation last year. Okay? And he's all he's done is been an integral part of what Denver's success has been this year. He's been holding it down for Murray in his absence. He's averaging 13.4 uh, points a game. He is shooting 48.5% from the field. And he is shooting 40.9% from three. And he also has been given out four, four and a half dimes a game as well. So he's been getting it done for them. And here's another guy who left the Clippers. Um... And now you're looking at a situation where, you know, Denver has been, with Bruce Brown being gone and, you know, it's been Christian Brown and and Peyton Watson and um, what's the other kid? Uh, Julian Strother, all, all three of them have, at some point this year, has done something pretty pretty remarkable, right? 
the great thing about this is that they probably still need another piece, but if you can get one of those three guys to hit every, you know, you don't need them all to hit every single night, but if you can get one to hit every single night, this is providing depth for you. And what a great, uh, they kind of, I mean, here's the thing. Calvin Booth looked at the draft and said, you know what, we're going to get older, more kind of role player type guys because we got this in our midst, right? We got Porter Jr., we got Jokic, obviously we got Jamal Murray, KCP, list goes on and on. But picking up these guys that can fit a role and be able to just fall right into their role. I mean, honestly, just give let's just give Denver some credit. Um, I think I have a couple more notes on Denver here that I want to get to before we get to our our other North team. Um, Denver right now is 17 and 10. Um, keeping in mind the injuries have been just just they've been ravaged by injuries. Um fourth in the West. We just talked about their rookies. Let's give a little love to DeAndre Jordan as well, who has provided good backup center minutes for Jokic as well. There was one game where he started because Jokic took the night off, and he just went crazy. He started getting alley-oops. It looked like DeAndre Jordan of the Clipper days. Looked like some live city joints going on out there. It was crazy. Seems like he has some sort of fountain of youth or whatever. All right. I think we can move along to the Minnesota Timberwolves at this present time. The Wolves are sporting a 19-5 record. They, that is first in the West. Number one. Uh, this is a team that we criticized last year. We didn't think the fit was right with Gobert and Towns. Um, keep in mind, Towns was out in and out of the lineup last year with injuries and, and, and what have you. We were worried about the, the the power structure of the team. Would Cat acquiesce and allow Ant Edwards to be the number one guy? We didn't know if not just did the Rudy Gobert was a complete failure, but defensively, schematically wise, would it work? All those questions have been answered. This is what happens sometimes when you have a little patience. And I'm here to tell you that I was absolutely wrong. I've been trying to get Carl Anthony Towns out of Minnesota for like two, two years now. And I'm not saying necessarily he is still the perfect fit next to Ant and Gobert and the rest of the crew there. But we're seeing a whole... A hell of a lot more from Towns than we been previously previously seeing. So, to me personally, hey man, like good job on making it work. Good job on finding your role. Good job on maximizing your opportunities. Good job on being putting team first. Good job on just doing all the things that they're asking you to do. So, Carl Anthony Towns, I got to give you a salute. You know what I'm saying? You, you've done your thing this year, and I was hard on you, so therefore, my mans, I can give you shine when you do something right. And you're doing it right right now. That team is is looking great. Carl Anthony Towns had 40 the other night. Anthony Edwards has slid into that top role. And everybody kind of knows what's going on. Um. Okay, positive. Nas Reed. Picking him, signing him back, I think it's going to cause some issues down the road because that luxury tax bill is looming next year. I don't know how they're going to um, get around that. We'll see. But that's a problem for another day. Right now, we're just basking in the glory that the T-Wolves are 19-5. and five. So Let's just let's celebrate what we got right now. Let's stay in the present. You know what I'm saying? All right. The other thing that I thought was kind of interesting 
Rudy Gobert's actual usage is the exact same as last year. And the points really haven't changed and everything like that. But their defensive philosophy and whatever was not working last year is working this year. They're, they're tops in the league as far as defense. Number one, net rating. Can't get beyond that. So, again, it has been great to see the the resurgence of the Minnesota Timberwolves. Credit to Anthony Edwards, to Carl Anthony Towns, to Rudy Gobert, everybody involved in that tumultuous season last year. And also, shout out to Chris Finch. There were people screaming for him to get fired last year, just as a FYI. And now it looks better. And they're playing a lot better, and they are going to be hell to handle as we continue to make our way through. Now, we're going to move on to the West, and we're going to talk about Golden State. We did a lot on the pod on Saturday and Friday in regards to that. So if you're looking for Draymond news or whatever, I have a whole setup. On the podcast. So if you, again, if you're new to the podcast, you know, follow us and, 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 you know, turn that notification bell on so you can get that pod, you know, downloaded real quick. All right, Gold State pluses. CP3 gives you and the pool swap. Here's the thing. Um, we can talk about this in 15 different various ways. Um, pool would provide awesome offense off the bench. Uh, but we also know that there was that was an untenable situation with Draymond and himself. So somebody had to go, and it was Jordan Poole, and now he's gone. Um, another negative, Bob Myers is now gone. Uh, Draymond uh, is out here committing felonies. That's another bad thing that's going on. And then Kerr's resistance to play the youth. Now he has no... He has no excuse. He has to play the youth. Because here's the other thing with the Golden State Warriors. They are 12 and 14. And they are 11th in the West that is stacked. Let's let's be 100% transparent about what's going on here. That team is besieged by injuries, by lack of depth, and aging rapidly. And now they got Draymond Green out here committing felonies on people. Chokeholds, you know, just punching people in the face multiple times. You got, he punched Nurkic, he punched Poole, he's stomping Sabonis. My man is literally about to go to, to the WWE. He exhaled. No, he's going to AEW. Shouts out to my guy Jacob, who loves AEW, but... Yeah, Draymond is an AEW. He's all elite. Because I can see him getting into a, a, a like a, a, a cowbell match with John Moxley or something. The way he's been acting lately. Acting like a fool. You better check yourself, my mess. Word has also come out that it looks like it's going to be about three weeks. There's no, like, real, actual, like, drop line uh, due date. But the proximity of how long he's going to be out is looks like about three weeks, which is basically until the end of the year. So he should be playing first week of January. But obviously he has to hit all those, um, he has to hit all those measures before even, uh, they would go ahead and reinstate him. So it doesn't look good for the Golden State Warriors. Now, here's a bright spot. Klay Thompson's last five games, 22.2 points. 22 of 48 from three. 37 of 75 from the field. This is more like the Clay. We know. We know the defense won't be as good. Man came off an Achilles injury, wrecked his knee, back-to-back surgeries. We understand. 
also a little bit Iron Age. But if the shot is coming back, this is this is helpful. This is good for Golden State. So we're excited about the progression of one Clay Thompson. So we have that as well. Um, let's turn the page here. We're gonna get to the Phoenix Suns and the Lakers, and then I think the last team, if I'm not mistaken, is the Clippers in Sacramento. Okay, so I'm gonna do this in a different order, but you know, I gotta save the Lakers for last. You know how I do it. All right, let's talk about Phoenix real quick. They are 14 and 12, currently 10th in the West. Positives. New head coach, Frank Vogel, has taken over for uh, Monty Williams. He beat out Kevin Young in the offseason, which, you know, we reported here that Kevin Young might be the coach, but they wanted somebody with a little more experience. They wanted somebody who, you know, has, has handled a bench before, especially with Kevin Durant, Bradley Beal, and... Devin Booker. You just needed a stronger hand in there. Okay. <clears throat> Making the Bradley Bill trade was a plus in the sense of, that you gave up a bag of skills for him. You know, taste the rainbow. Now, some of the negatives. Injuries have plagued the Suns all season. Bill just got back and then got hurt again. We did it in the last pod. It was it was, um, I mean, the, the injury itself was, it looked ugly. That ankle touch, touch earth, that was not awesome. Um, Booker's been in and out of the lineup as well. So their 14-12 record is not surprising. There is a bright spot. Eric Gordon has been a stabilizing force for the Phoenix Suns since he's gotten there. The 14.2 points a game is not the most important part. It's the varying of roles. He's started. He's come off the bench. He's been the sixth man. He's been in crunch time. He's done it all. And you need guys like that. Those are the unsung heroes of your team that, you know, help you win a championship. And when you got a solid vet like Eric Gordon, you can't beat it. Oh, oh, by the way, he's also shooting 39.6% from three. So we are now going to switch over to the Clippers, Sacramento, and then we'll finally do the Lakers. Um, I gave the Clippers some love on this on this pod, the last pod that we did. But let's talk about them a little bit. They are 15 and 10. They're currently sitting sixth in the West. Um, they attempted to be active in the offseason. Obviously, they were trying to get hardened. They couldn't get them. But their patience was rewarded when they finally did get hardened. You know, um, I liked I liked that trade. They didn't give a lot, up a lot to get them, but you know. Kudos to them for being patient. Shout out to the to Lawrence Frank and the guys. The bright spot that I want to talk about is Norman Powell, though. And the reason why I want to bring up Norman Powell is that his uh, field goal percentage is 49.6%. He's shooting 30... Da, 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 he Three-point percentage is 43.6% while shooting a cool 86.2% from the free throw line. My wife would love that. He's very close to 50-40-90 as a bench player, as a role player. That's awesome. That is spectacular in every way. And we talked about it on the last pod. Go back and listen to the archive pods if you if you are just joining us. But uh, we talked about it seems like they everybody understands their role with the Clippers now. Uh, Harden is playing the, the point guard or the facilitator extremely well. Uh, Kawhi has been an absolute freak of nature the last couple weeks. And Paul George is back. So, they're healthy. They're deep. 
they're still relatively long. Looks like this team might be held to deal with when it comes to the playoffs. You might be seeing the actual Clippers. And when I say that, not being facetious, I'm thinking we might be seeing the actual Clippers really make a legitimate run in the playoffs this year if all stays the right way. So keep that in mind. We still got a lot of season to play. James Harden's on this team. Kawhi Leonard's on this team. So keep that in mind. Okay, let's hit Sacramento before we hit the Lakers and get up out of here. The Sacramento Kings record so far is 15 and 9. They are currently fifth in the West. They resized the bonus, which we did a, a breakdown video on YouTube about that. We were wondering, was that the right move at that time? He's listen, Sabonis is doing all types of Sabonis things. We're never worried about well, he'll he'll slack off now that he got the contract. We never worried about that with Sabonis. If you look at a pod from last week, I think I talked about this. I talked about his work ethic and getting everything out of his talent that he can possibly extract. And then we did the we talked about Zion Williamson and some of his issues. So go back and listen to that pod. It's it's really good. But he's doing all the things that he he's doing all the things that you knew Sabonis was gonna do. Now the the one problem that we did have is the re-signing of Harrison Barnes. Now holding on to the asset definitely understandable. With all the wings that were out there though, we were really kind of bewildered that this was what they chose to do. And now maybe they couldn't get somebody to go there via free agency. I don't know. But we thought it was odd that they didn't make an upgrade in the Harrison Barnes role. And they did not. Let's talk about Keegan Murray. First of all, on Saturday, Keegan Murray um, was 12 of 15 from three. Okay. Um, it was absolutely, it was a spectacular showing from him. Uh, the other thing, Mike Brown, head coach of the Sacramento Kings, has been encouraging and actually prodding second-year forward to shoot more. No question unlocking Murray is the primary focus on boosting any sort of title contention for the Sacramento Kings as they're presently constituted. But if this team is going to level up, King and Murray needs to be more aggressive. Now, here's the great thing about this. Last year, 9.8 field goals total attempts. This year, 12.8. Or 12, yeah, 12.8 field goals attempted. Last year, 6.3 point shots protect uh, attempted. This year, 7.0 three-point shots attempted. So it's all steadily going up as far as the volume of shots and things of that nature. It's getting more aggressive. Of course, right now, with the volume, the efficiency has dipped a little bit, but it's trending in a positive direction. So I have no worries about Keegan Murray. But this is what they're going to have to do unless they are going to make a trade to upgrade um, maybe a couple holes that they have. So I like... What Sacramento's doing, uh, Vesnikov was also a good pickup. We, we were just talking about, like, the big ones, you know, the, the biggest ones or whatever, or what I thought was the biggest ones. Um, But he still hasn't really found a role yet. Trey Lyles was hurt for a little while. Um, I think that team is just missing something, and I can't put my finger on what it is. I mean, I know you need rim protection. I got that whole get down, but this team just needs a little more juice, and I don't know where they're going to get it, but uh, it could come organically from Keegan, so we're going to have to stay tuned and find out. Alright, now you know I'm a Laker fan, so you know I'm going to close out with my guys, so here we go. Um, 
I'm not going to go overboard. The Lakers are 15 and 11. They're currently eighth in the West. Hmm, kind of exactly where I thought they would be. Um, let's talk about what they've done. Positive. Re-signing Reeves, Hachimura, and D'Lo. Now, a little less on the D'Lo, but here's the thing. Signing Reeves to that awesome contract was great. Rui, I think that was pretty much market value. And the reason why D'Lo got a little bit more money than he probably would have got on the open market is this. If for some reason he doesn't play well and doesn't fit into the system, that is an easy contract to trade. It's a one plus one, meaning like this year he's under contract. Next year is a player option. So it's not a big deal either way. It's not like they're sinking in like $40, $50 million over four or five years. So it's an easy contract to trade if for some reason there's something better for the Lakers to do. So we'll see how that goes. Um, a shrewd pickup in Torian Prince. I love Torian Prince. Good defensive-minded player, hard-nosed. He's starting to knock down his threes, which is great. I did not like the Reddish and Christian Wood moves at all. Um, at all. Now, Cam Reddish has played better. He's been excellent as a on-ball defender. He still gets lost if he is defending man and ball, meaning like if his guy doesn't have the ball and he's coming off screens or whatever the case may be, he gets lost in the sauce a little bit with that, but... Overall, when you're paying somebody $2 million, you can't complain about what you're getting from Cam Reddish. He's just not a heady player, and I see LeBron a lot kind of telling him what to do and where to go. So, those Christian Wood, if AD is playing and everybody else is healthy, he's like great glass, a case of emergency, because he is a really good uh, perimeter scorer. And then we're still waiting for Gabe Vincent to play. Um, he got hurt. He had a knee bruise early or knee contusion early in uh, training camp. Still hasn't played yet. So the team at 15-11, which if you remember last year, getting off to the 2-10 and 10 start, this team being 15-11 with all of the injuries and people getting in and out of the lineup and still not knowing what the actual rotation is going to be and building that cohesive unit that you need to be if you're trying to win a championship. Um, not bad at all for them being in, in this situation. Now, here is the stat. Austin Reeves, over the last five games, is averaging 20.8 points a game on 35 of 66 from the field. He's also shooting 14 of 32 from three, which is well above 40%. 4.6 rebounds a game and six assists. And this is all in the last five. Now, he started the season being a starter. Started coming off the bench. Then they started him in a game not that long ago because there was an injury or whatever case may be. The great thing about Austin Reeves is he's just so valuable because he doesn't care where he plays and, you know, if I'm starting, whatever. But best be sure that dude is going to be finishing games. He is your crunch time guy. And that is the third guy on the Lakers at this present time until if, 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 if they make a trade. Now, speaking of trades, all right, we got a couple rumors out here. We're going to close it out with some speculation, okay? Um, all right, let's get to this real quick. According to Sam Amick in The Athletic, Zach Levine is by 
Sam Amick's words and actually a quote, very amendable to go into Sacramento. Now, we just talked about Sacramento. We talked about Keegan, you know, Mike Brown, his desire of having Keegan shoot more. If you want to take the pressure off a kid, this is how you do it. Now, this still does not help their defense. This just makes them more potent offensively. I don't know if that's a good or bad thing, honestly, to tell you the truth. But if Herter's going to be terribly inconsistent, which he's been all year, um, Keegan is, I wouldn't say a reluctant shooter. He's just like easing his way into more volume. Harrison Barnes is not the player that he was like three or four years ago, even though he does provide really good defense still, maybe not to the level it was three or four years ago, but still solid contributor. But having another guy that can go off for 50 might be worth it. And you're not looking at a real size difference between Herter and Levine. So I don't hate it. Now, my question is this, and I'll tell you this right now. I understand what Chicago's doing, and I understand who they would be asking for, okay? If Keegan Murray is anywhere near this deal, do not do this deal, Sacramento. Do not, under any circumstances, do Levine for Keegan Murray. Try to figure something else out, more draft picks, whatever it is. I understand Harrison Barnes' contract got to be in there. Maybe somebody else's contract got to be in there. But the one contract you do not want in there is Keegan Murray. As soon as Chicago picks up the phone and they start to say, Keegan, hang up immediately. All right? Um, I'm trying to think if there's any other trades. Let me look at my phone real quick, see if there's anything else that we kind of need to talk about here. Um, again, oh, as I'm filibustering right now and looking at my uh, phone, make sure you guys are with us on YouTube, Front Runner Podcast Collective. We'll put clips up of this show and shows previous. Make sure you're getting the podcast delivered to you in a timely fashion, either on Spotify Apple, Amazon Music, or wherever you enjoy your podcasts. We really appreciate you subscribing and becoming part of our little community here. And make no mistake about it, we want to build that community. We want to hear from you. So you can you can contact us on Twitter or X, which is the same exact thing. And that is at frontrunner PC. Or at Nico, FRPC, one of the two. And let's check these rumors out. <laughs> it's so funny. I heard something yesterday in regards to the uh, Celtics not pursuing anything until the buyout. And now today there are people uh, reporting that it looks like the Celtics are going to be really active in the trade market per Sean Charania. NBA Insider noted that the Celtics still have assets available to move after the Drew Holiday trade over the offseason. Charania believes Boston will be looking to pivot those assets into depth on the bench. So there's the latest from Shams on Boston. Here's the thing. What does Boston need? If you were the if you were a Celtic fan at this point in time, hit me up, Celtics fans. Hit me up. You know your boy used to live in Brookline. You know your boy used to live in Canton. You know your boy used to live in Haverhill, Massachusetts. All those areas. I represented all quadrants of East Eastern Mass. You know what I'm saying? So hit your guy up on on X at. Front runner PC. Tell me what the Celtics need. 
The only thing I can think about them needing is maybe another wing that could that, that could shoot it. Like another shooter, just a sniper. That would be something good to have. Maybe maybe a little more depth at the center position, just you know, injury-wise, with Horper being a little bit older. Porzingis having the injury concerns that he usually does. That might be the way to go. Um, I'm going to... Chris Haynes is reporting, and I... Okay, I'm going to put it like this. I respect Chris Haynes. I respect everything he does. There's a report that the, uh, the Kings and the Lakers are eyeing Zach Levine. I will tell you right now. Um, from my sources, the Lakers do not have a lot of they're reluctant. I said it on last clock. They're reluctant to do anything with Levine right now because they have not seen their team fully together yet. And they want to see it. Now, I will also tell you that if Levine gets traded, DeMar DeRozan and Alex Caruso are heavy interest to the Lakers. Okay? I'll just tell you that right now. Now, I don't know if they'll be able to get either one or two or if any. Um, But those will be the more intriguing players to me for the Lakers if I was looking at it and from some of the things I've heard. So, um, and let's see if there's one other thing that we need to get to. No, that should be it. All right. So you got rumors. We gave you stats. Um, we gave you we gave you a lot of stuff today in this pod. Again, I want to um tell you guys two things. One, we are doing two pods a week, so there will be a guaranteed second pod by Thursday. Okay, guaranteed second pod by Thursday. All right. Um, I'm committing to that, committing to two pods a week, committing to getting you all the information that we can possibly get you. And now, now that we've done the West and we've done the, the first quarter recap on the West, you know what's coming Thursday, right? Eastern Conference. The Eastern Conference quarter recap. Also, we'll have more news and notes from around the league. So if something goes something goes down, you'll have that. And we are keeping our ear to the ground to see what comes out of the trade tree in the NBA, right? That's what we're looking at. So for everybody here, I just want to thank you again for giving us a listen. I know there are a lot of pods out there. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Much love to everyone. Again, Tap in with us on YouTube, tap in with us on X, and also leave comments on the YouTube and send us some uh, send us some uh, some posts on X. You know what I'm saying? Like if there's something that you want to you want us to talk about, and I keep on saying us because they're still us. Nico is coming back um, very shortly. He he'll be back right after the first of the year. Uh, Dane will also be joining us sometime early next year. We're still just trying to get it all together, but those guys are coming and they're coming quicker than you think. But I would think that we would at least see Nico early next year and before the first quarter ends, we should be seeing Dane as well. So that's where we are with that. All right. Again, thank you guys. I'm so appreciative of being able to have the space to be able to talk about the NBA, talk about some of the things that are going on. Again, thank you guys for all your support all year. Um, We're only getting bigger. We're only getting better. And again, tell a family member, a friend, a colleague, a co-worker at work that you don't like, um, 
tell your mailman, your grocery store clerk, tell that telemarketer who calls you at 315, Front Runner Podcast Collective, it'll just enhance your life. It'll enhance your day. And with that being said, y'all keep it easy, and I will see you down the road, and we'll be back on this feed on Thursday. Peace. Thank you.